My sermon today is Reunion Day in Heaven or God's Kingdom. Well, uh, Jennifer and Jane uh, decided to clean out the basement. They've only been here 14 or more years and decided it was time to move some of that stuff. And as they were searching through all the papers and making sure that none of them got through a way that were important, well, she handed me this here ream of papers and and is laid on top. Reunion day in heaven, what's it going to be like? If you were to stop 10 people on the street today and ask them, do you know where heaven is? What would you expect and what would you discover they would say or know little of and little about heaven? But they'll assure you it's up. That's probably the only thing they'll know about it. There is no good reason for such ignorance about heaven. The Bible tells us many things concerning this important subject. Today we plan to find out where heaven is and what it's like. How many want to go to heaven? I hope everybody in here does. When the Apostle Paul described his experience of being taken to heaven in vision, he said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, such as one caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up in paradise. Paul was taken to the third heaven, or paradise, as he calls it. Therefore, there must be three heavens. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven above this earth where the birds fly and the airplanes travel and the clouds float. The second heaven is the starry heavens that David speaks about in Psalms 19.1. I'm not going to be turning to scripture because there's a lot of them. And you'll be here till 12.30 if you do. The third heaven, uh, or the second heaven is the starry heavens that David speaks about in Psalms 19.1. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The third heaven is referred to in the Bible as the heaven of heavens. This is the place where God's throne is located. It is the paradise of God where the angels continually sing praises to his name. Of this beautiful paradise where God's throne is located, we are told in Revelation 22.1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Such a beautiful river we have never been privileged to see. But John saw it in vision and was told us and told us about it. John further describes the beauty of paradise in Revelation 22.2. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Someday the Lord Jesus will come to take the redeemed to this wonderful place. All true Christians are looking for this event. In John fourteen one to 3 Jesus gave his assurance before leaving this world to over 2,000 years ago. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and do what? And if I go? Yes, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto my... And that where I... There... Okay... Jesus is preparing mansions for us in the New Jerusalem this very day. 
may God help us to be ready when he comes to take us back with him to that beautiful city. You know, we look at the parade of homes. You ever been on one? Oh, the million-dollar ones? They, they are not meant for young people, and they're not meant for old people. Because you notice the staircases go to the second floor are long and about 22 steps to the top. There is no old people going to want to climb that many steps or go down that many steps. And you sure wouldn't want children playing on them. So it's not a real home for family, in a way. It's for show-off. And if you want the furniture to go with it, you can kick in another quarter mill, and they'll give you that. Nice, huh? And just think that up in heaven, you've got a mansion up there that's going to be more beautiful than any builder on this earth can even think of. And someday the heavens will split wide open and God and Jesus will descend, surrounded by an innumerable host of angels. In Matthew twenty four thirty, Jesus told the disciple, And then shall appear the sight of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It will be a marvelous experience to be caught up by the angels to meet the Lord in the air. Have you thought about that? It's going to be an experience, isn't it? In Revelation 1, 7, the Apostle John says, Behold, he cometh clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Jesus and the angels will come in a magnificent demonstration of power and glory to gather the redeemed. It will be wonderful to see Jesus come, but the wicked will wail and cry for the rocks to fall on them. In 1 Thessalonians 4:16 and 17, Paul says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The passageway to paradise will seem diamond-studded as we travel through the Milky Way with millions of blazing suns on all sides. Beautiful colors will shine all about us as we make the wonderful trip to the holy city of God. Can you imagine? I, you, if you ever seen PBS, and it goes into all the things that are out there, and we know we've got almost to the edge of eternity, as they call it, where they can go now. They don't know what's beyond that, but they know there's more. All the things that are there are so beautiful and awesome, just beyond your belief. But think when you're going to be able to travel up through that space. In the 21st and 22nd chapters of Revelation, we have the description of heaven. If you want sweet dreams tonight, read these chapters before you go to bed. Let us read Revelation 21.9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. The Lamb represents Christ, and the bride represents the beautiful city, New Jerusalem. Reading further in verse 10 and 11 of Revelation 21, John says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. 
The wonders of New York City, Los Angeles, and London and Paris will be as nothing compared to the splendor of that city. In verse 12 of Revelation 21, 21 we read, And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. What a magnificent sight. Walls as clear as crystal, and streets of transparent gold. The city sparkles with light as a stone most precious. The outflashing splendor of God's glory shines forth. Again, we read in Revelation 21, 13 and 14, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, south three gates, and the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the apostles of the Lamb. The city has 12 huge, magnificent gates, each one made of uh, solid pearl. There are three gates on each side of the city. The homes that God has prepared for us are in this holy city. In verse 15 and 16 of the same chapter, it says, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. I want you to put this in the... Uh, what we would look at it today and think what this would mean. And in verse 17 and 18, John continues, And he measured the wall thereof, and 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. An angel is much larger than we are. And the building of the wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like the clear glass. This city lies four square, the length and breadth and height of it are equal. The circumference is 12,000 furlongs, and a furlong is an eighth of a mile. The dividing 12,000 by the eight, we discover the city is 1,500 miles in circumference. This would make it 370 miles on each side. Some Bibles say 380. But the length, width, and height are the same. Uh, or 380 miles straight up. Airplanes do not fly in that area. Is that a large city? Can you think of that? To get some idea of the enormous size of the city, let us consider some of the city of our present world. New York, for example, with its teeming millions. On the map, it appears to, ju- to be just a small spot. If the New Jerusalem were located where the city of New York is, it would not be just a small spot on the map, but it would cover more than the entire state of New York. The city of London is just a wide place in the road compared in comparison. This tremendous city dwarfs any of the cities of our earth. There is nothing in this world like it. There are, some, there are no homes in this earth that compare with the mansions in heaven. We may look yearningly as the beautiful estates of the wealthy on this earth. But let us not forget, there are more beautiful estates awaiting us in heaven, if we are faithful. God has unlimited resources, the precious jewels and stones of different colors. The homes that he is preparing are indeed magnificent. The wayfaring pilgrims that trudge through the world cannot even imagine the magnificence and marvelous sights that await their eyes in God's glory land. As we journey to this city, we shall suddenly see its rainbow glory and color in the distance. For the 12 foundations, there are 12 beautiful stones of different colors. As the saints came 
in the view of the city, they will cry out, look, there it is, the, the beautiful city of God. We are home at last. I can't imagine that. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him, there will be flowers and trees with colors of the deepest hue and in perfect symmetry, and the flowers will never fade. As we walk through the street of transparent gold, shining like mirrors, the reflection of the mansions and beautiful flowers and trees will make us feel like we're floating in the air through a wonderful or wonderland of beauty. In Revelation 21, 23, 25, we read, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And a nation of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, The light will be brilliant, but soft. It will not hurt our eyes, but will be pleasing and restful. Our greatest joy of all will be the privilege of living in the presence of our Savior. In Revelation 22, 3 and 4, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Dear friends, I do not believe there will be any cigarette stubs, or tobacco juice on the sidewalks or anything else, and there will be no drunks lying in the gutters. Uh, there will be no beer parlors or taverns. There will be no brothels or cheap shows placed along the streets of gold in the city of God, like we have, right? And, of course, we can say no drugs. In the heavenly land, there will be no curse of sin. We will all live with Jesus and him face to face. I know we have the song we just sang this morning, and that's why I chose it. And, old friends, what a joy it will be when we place our crowns at the feet of Jesus and bow down and worship him, shedding tears of unshamed devotion for the precious one who gave his life, that we might live through all eternity. Our fear of catastrophes uh, will be forever ended. In Isaiah 60:18, we read, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within the borders, but thou shalt call the walls salvation and thy gates praise. We will not fear wars, tornadoes, cyclones, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires, floods, or even atomic bombs. In fact, there will be, we will not know what fear is anymore. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, animosities and hatreds will all be gone. There will be no violence in God's city. And then I, last Sabbath, I know we were talking as we were going back home, and we were, uh, we had some questions. Uh, will there be like children in heaven? In Isaiah eleven six, it says, "The wolf also shall dwell in, with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them." Yes, there will be children in heaven. That will make heaven a happy place. We would miss their joyful laughter. The children will have pets. The magnificent lion. I mean, I don't think any of you want your kid to bring a leopard home, right? Uh, The king of beasts will be a beautiful pet. The sleek leopard will purr like a kitten. These creatures will not be bloodthirsty. They will be at 
be just as tame as a lamb. Their instinct to kill will be gone. Will children grow up and up in heaven? We read in Malachi 4.2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Our children will not be dwarfs forever, for they are going to grow up. In fact, we are told that the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations, and it seems that we will all grow up when we get to heaven. Uh, I think they said Adam was like 12 feet. How did you like to be 12 feet tall, Paul? <laughs> or any of the rest of you guys. <laughs> On the resurrection days, those who have lived back in ancient times will be great giants in comparison to the present generation of our world. Men like Adam, Seth, and Noah, and others will tower above us like great giants. Mankind has degenerated through the ages that has become stunted in growth. But in heaven we shall all grow up in our full structure, or stature. Some people are concerned about what they are going to look like in heaven. We know the ladies uh, uh, will be most interested in their appearance and spend quite a lot of time in front of the mirror there. And I suppose the men will be equally interested. We need not wonder what we will look like in heaven because in Philippians 3.20, it tells us what we will look like. It says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So the Bible says that we will look just like Jesus. We will grow up in his image. Isn't it thrilling to know that when we reach heaven we're going to look like our Savior? Some of his features. I'm not. It says we'll be known as we are known here. We shall be recognized by the inhabitants of those worlds as the redeemed of this earth, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, because we look like him. Perhaps they will say when they see us, and it says we can go to the other worlds. There are some of those people who will be redeemed. They'll say there are some of those people who were redeemed by the blood of the Son of God. Can't you see that they look like Jesus? Uh, some people wonder if they will recognize their loved ones up in heaven. In 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, we read, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. One young woman told her to preach or say that we would not recognize our loved ones in heaven. She rolled and tossed that night and finally nudged her husband, Oh, John, the preacher said that we would not recognize each other in heaven. I love you so, John, that I could not be happy in heaven uh, if I didn't know you. John turned over and said to her sleepily, Oh, Mary, don't be foolish. Surely we're not going to be more ignorant in heaven than we are here on earth. How would anybody ever think that we'd be so ignorant in heaven that we wouldn't recognize our loved ones? When Jesus rose from the grave, he was recognized by Mary. When she heard him speak, she knew his voice. Two of his disciples failed to recognize him as he walked with them on the road to Emmaus. But when he sat down to eat supper with them and offered thanks, they recognized him immediately by his characteristic way of returning thanks. Although we're going to be changed, we will still recognize our loved ones by their general characteristics. I always marvel at the mother of three boys in one family who can recognize each one of her boys, when he comes home at night, even though it's dark and the mothers know what we're talking about here, says when the door opens, uh, she say, uh, is that you, Johnny? 
And when Lester comes home, she'll say, is that you, Lester? She'd recognize them by their footsteps. And I think any mother that's ever waited up and was awake while their kids came home late <clears throat> knew when they came in, even though they sneaked in so quietly that they wouldn't be heard. It says, a few years ago is when the number craze struck our world. I heard a preacher tell the congregation that he believed we were all going to have numbers in heaven. Well, uh, Isaiah 66, 22 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. What a kind of a place would heaven be if it were nothing but numbers and disembodied spirits floating around in the space. Can you remember the concept that you shared a little angel or a little cherub sitting on a cloud with a harp in his hand? That ain't so. Just imagine spirits floating around the clouds with harps in without shape, form, and name. No, God says we will still have our names and the earth made new. In Revelation 2.17, he says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, which will give him a white stone, and the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that received it. Quite likely, this name will represent our experience of our, or our character. If we are noted for patience, it will have something to do with patience. Or if noted for kindness, love, zeal, or charitableness, or our name will likely have something to do with those characteristics. I'm happy to tell you that we're going to be real and we will have names. We are told that we're going to see men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets. Now, can't you imagine being able to sit down and talk to them at thousand years? Oh, oh boy. Just think how wonderful it would be to listen to the story of redemption from the lips of Peter and John. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place for those who have been physically afflicted in this life. In Isaiah 35, God says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be open. Can you imagine that for the first time? You could see. And the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. I can just imagine those who have been blind in this life drinking in the dazzling beauties of heaven. And when those who have been able, unable to speak even, and, and you probably know someone that's like that, have had to use their hands in the sign language, can speak and sing. And I'm sure the voices ring out above all the rest when they sing praises to God. And we know that we're going to be active there. It says in Isaiah 35, 6, Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, and the wilderness shall break, shall waters break out and streams into the desert. All the crutches and artificial arms and legs will be needed no longer. The lame will run and leap by the babbling brooks and quiet streams and never give praise to the maker or redeemer. The world has become a vast house of sickness, disease, and death. But we know that Isaiah 33, 24 says, God says, In the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell there shall be forgiven their iniquity. We will not need hospitals or doctors or nurses. Uh, there we go again. There'll be nobody to fill your teeth. <laughs> There'll be no doctor to say, oh, you got this or that, and we'll prescribe that for you. Probably something that doesn't work, usually. We might be thankful for them uh, today, but we will not need them in heaven. Even more wonderful, all our sins will be forgiven. There will be no more sin and no more suffering. There will be no more insidious disease like cancer, polio, heart trouble, and tuberculosis. 
and we won't hear people say, oh, my back, oh, my arms, oh, my ears, or my eyes, or my feet. Nobody's ever heard those complaints, have you? Just ask somebody to come home from 10 or 12 hours of work. <laughs> what do you complain about? Oh, my aching feet, huh? Those who, who do nothing to talk about their op operation there will find another favorite subject of conversation in heaven. Just to think that we will live in the perfect bloom of health and vigor throughout all eternity, never growing old, never getting sick, and never concerned about death. And there will be no crime there. In Isaiah 11, 19, it says, They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, for theirs shall have full, have full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There'll be no more hurting, nor destruction, no more criminals or gangsters, no prison houses or insane asylums, and no need for a police force. There'll be no one waiting around a dark corner ready to strike you over the head and get you money or stab you in the back or shoot you or something. Uh, isn't that nice? And you know what? You can even take a walk in the forest and feel safe. You don't have to worry about animals pouncing on you or somebody robbing you. And if you like food... And I know I'm going to try to get you out here in time so you can eat. Uh, you have a real treat store when you go to get to heaven. There will be fruits in abundance, and they will not be blighted or by disease, bugs, or worms. Isn't that neat? When you sink your teeth into the luscious beach, you will need not fear that you will encounter a worm that has gotten there before you, or half a worm, which is worse. The grapes will be huge and luscious, and yes, and the figs, pomegranates, and other delicious foods will be enjoyed by all. I can't wait to get there, can you? In Revelation 2.70, it says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. I have often wondered just what it is. It must be the food of angels. I can imagine it's a very delightful dish. All the foods of heaven will be delicious. I am sure this heavenly manna would not taste right to those who have de developed perverted appetites in this world, who have learned to love the wrong things. There will surely be no lack of good things to eat for all who will be privileged to live in the new earth. In that heavenly paradise, there will be no depression. And you see so many people that are depressed. There will be no need to worry about where the next meal is coming from. The Lord is providing all our needs, but... Says someone, what about the text of Matthew 5, 5? It says, blessed are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You have been telling us all about going to heaven, to God's paradise in the third heaven, but God says he will, we will inherit the earth. That is right, my friends, but the Bible tells us that someday God's beautiful city is coming down out of heaven and settle upon this earth and become the capital of our world. Where do they think it's going to come down to? The Mount of Olives. Can you imagine that? There isn't going to be any more Jerusalem over there they, and all of Palestine and all that because this city's going to cover it all. 380 miles around it, or 375, which was figure you want. When it comes down, we don't have to worry about that space. But we know that there has to be some changes done in the world, right? There in Revelation 21, 1 and 2, we read, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride and orned for her husband. Notice that John says that he saw the city coming down from God out of heaven. John also tells us that God is going to dwell among men. Yes, 
Someday this beautiful city is going to come down to this earth, and God will rule his universe from this earth. Then it shall be that the meek shall inherit the earth. It says there in Second Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The earth is going to be cleansed and purified by fire, and then God will make all things new. So can you imagine all these here million-dollar mansions that people think that $10 million isn't enough, so they go for $100 million mansions? And it says it's all going to be burned up. And all these towers that they build and all these things, if you see the overlay of some of these cities from the air, you know, they show you the pictures of them. And the buildings are right next to each other. And there's just blocks and blocks of them. Big high-rises. They're all going to be burnt to nothing. Ain't going to be nothing left. And then I looked at some of these here pictures of the badlands and the deserts and the rocky places where it's just masses of rock. It's all going to be gone. And we'll have green, luscious, like, fields where we can walk in. Beautiful things to see all the way around it. God said he's going to purify it first, and the only way he can do it is by fire. Nevertheless, there in Second Peter 3.13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. This earth has, that has fallen into disgrace and sin, but has been reclaimed through the blood of Jesus, will someday be elevated to the highest position in the universe of God. From any part of the earth, we will be able to see the shining glory of the city of God, where the throne of God is located. Second Peter 3.14, it says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, dear ones. If God took us to heaven today as we are, with our hearts full of selfishness, worldly pleasures, unbelief, do you think we would be happy there? God says that we must be without spot and blameless. I have more here, but in Matthew 5, 8, and I'm going to sum it up. Jesus said, Blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Hebrews 12, 14, Paul tells us, Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. O oh, may God make us pure and holy so that we may see him face to face and dwell in his presence. Will you meet me in the kingdom? Are you determined to be there? Will you surrender all to Jesus today so that you may be accepted into the city of God? And, you know, I couldn't find it in our song, but it says, is my name written there? Do you know that song? It says, Lord, I, I care not for riches, neither silver nor gold. I would make sure of heaven. I would enter the fold in the book of thy kingdom with its pages so fair. Tell me, Jesus, my Savior, is my name written there? Is my name written there on the pages white and fair in the book of thy kingdom? Is my name written there? Lord, my sins, they are many like the sands of the sea, but thy blood, O Savior, is sufficient for me. For thy promise is written in bright letters that glow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow or like snow. Oh, that beautiful city with its mansions of light, with its glorified beings in pure garments of white, where no evil thing cometh to despoil what is fair, where the angels are watching, is my name 
written there. Our Heavenly Father, we know that your son Jesus is going to return one day here. And we want to be ready. May each one here today that heard of the wonders that you have set aside for us when we get there. I can't even imagine what it is like in that city of gold. Lord, let each one of us strive to be there. May we look like Jesus. And may, as we leave here, tell others about his wonderful love and what heaven is like. For we ask it in your name. Amen.